Welcome to Talking Back to the Teacher Podcast, the only podcast where it's perfectly acceptable to talk back, clap back, even laugh at your favorite teacher. I'm excited for my guest today, former student from Osceola High School. I believe she happens to be from the last class of Osceola before that school became what is called a fundamental high school. None other than Miss Casey Gonzalez now. We dive down a whole path of life, writing, raising children, being a family. We kind of get into a little bit of everything. My favorite part is the future launch that she has for herself of what her and her husband envision for the upcoming years. She is going to be a staunch advocate for voting, particularly voting your local officials who make decisions that impact your daily lives at a local level. It doesn't just have to be state or federal. It is important to vote for your local officials as well. These are elected positions. She talks about a platform that she has now, what's upcoming for her. There's a whole lot of information in the show notes, so I'm not going to sit here and just keep talking to you. This interview is going to start. You're going to be entertained. It is invigorating. It is thought-provoking. And I'll be honest with you, it's probably my favorite one to date. Without further ado, my guest today on Talking Back to the Teacher podcast, Casey Gonzalez. I was like, okay, well, let's see what Casey's talking about. And then, because I got a list of people that I'm like, yo, this would be crazy because like you said, like you grew up with me. So when I, when I told you I had that class full of seniors, partway through the year, and students were like, oh my gosh, Miss Marquez tried to fly down the stairs. She just didn't like her. She was strict. So Miss Moore, Miss Moore and and I don't know who else, maybe Mr. Finkbeiner or I can't remember who else would have called me in. But it was probably it was probably uh Carol and Brad called me in like, hey, we're kind of in a bind. We need someone to teach this class. And I was like, You sure you don't want like one of your pre-cal teachers to teach it? And then I'll just kind of, you know, take over their class. Because, you know, right. we, we were on block schedules, so they had already missed a week, which is like two weeks because double double periods or whatever. Well, you're the one that's probably had calculus most recently in college. I was like, yeah, but you got teachers in here who could do this. <laughs> they were like, how soon can you be ready? I was like, what do you mean? I bet. Like, do it tomorrow, Friday. Get paid more. And, you know, teachers and money, like, we, we can't even talk about that. Like, I called home, like, the next day and was like, hey, mom. I need you to go down in the basement and there's like this box and it's got analytical geometry. It's got a pre-cal book. It's got calculus books. So she mailed me my college textbooks. So we went through and taught it when we had a final, just about everybody in that class were able to exempt their final. But if they had to show up, they had to write a paper. And I was like, Hey, I need you to write me a letter and feedback. And there's one paper that I kept and I still have it. Like I read it on Friday at work. Like we didn't have that good of a relationship or friendship. But I was like, that's cool. That's not my job. My job is to be a teacher. Right. But at the same time, I was at Osceola, which opened my eyes to some things in Florida because, number one, I was new to Florida. Number two, so many of my students were being bused from South St. Pete to Seminole. They were mm-hmm. catching a bus at 4.45 in the morning or 5.30 in the morning because school started at 7.05, which is a whole other topic of why school students start that early. Right. But I was like, since when do they just bus people? Oh, I could list eight different schools that were closer. They could have gone to, like, Seminole would have been closer. Bogey would have been closer. Gibbs would have been closer. Lakewood would have been closer. Northeast would have been closer. All these different schools they could have gone to, but these kids were being bused to Osceola. I'm like, 
what is this? Like busing in, in 2005? Like, nah. I went to Gibbs for a year, actually. I bust from Seminole down to Gibbs because I was in the PCCA program. Right. And the next year, like I was miserable at a PCCA and we lived, I literally grew up in Oakhurst Shores in Seminole. Like I'm a Seminole kid. I was yeah. one of like the seven black kids that lived in town. Token to a T. I would have to catch the, like when you said I would catch the bus at like five, I'd be out Jeez. of the bus at until five. It was awful, but I was a fine arts kid and I right. liked the idea of getting to school and getting to, it was like fame. Like I had dance class first period and then I'd go to geometry and then I'd have a vocal lesson and then I'd have acting class and then I'd go to English. Like it was cool. It was a really cool experience, but they didn't want me to play sports. So I couldn't play sports there. I would do club sports outside of the school. When I decided to leave, that was during Pinellas County still had choice and Seminole High School was full. And I lived yep. really walking distance from Seminole High School and Osceola High School was full. So they put me at Bogey and they were going to bus me from Seminole all the way to Bogey. Two weeks before school started, my mom got the call that there was a space at Osceola. Thank God. That choice program was crazy because I had I, I knew kids that lived like off of 54th Avenue South. And if you don't know where it is, that's South St. Yeah. Pete. They were going to Palm Harbor, East Lake, or Tarpon Countryside. Springs, and yeah, or, or people even going to Countryside. I was like, mm-hmm. y'all just y'all just busting everybody across the district all times mm-hmm. a day. Like, how is that even sustainable with the amount? Because you could oh, drive, like, you'd have a bus that was driving all the way to South St. Pete, and then it's got to go all the way to North County, and then you have to be able to get them all the way back home. So someone will be catching a bus at, like I said, five in the morning, and then you get out of school at one fifty, and they still don't get home till almost five in the afternoon. But they're mm-hmm. only in school for so you're talking two and a half to four hours on a bus daily. Yeah. And then that's why I was like, that's why I used to have students that would come in like with a blanket, with a pillow. Like, yeah, I caught the bus at five thirty. We mm-hmm. didn't get here until six forty five. I just finished my sleep on the bus. Yes. I did that every then morning. It, I literally kept a pillow and blanket with me. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. We can start with the fact that you technically were never even my teacher. You right. so hated me because I never paid attention to his class because I was always fighting with Dylan. And then I would just walk over next door and be like, can you explain this to me? And you'd be like, yeah. So I unofficially, you were never officially on any of my schedules. Nope. I was never on any of your rosters. You never had me in class, but I was always in your class. You can come in here if you want. We do tutoring or whatever else. Same thing with you, which was, I was like, all right. Like, if tutoring. Nice brown face, we'll see what we got to do. We'll see what kind of work we can do. Ask every interview. What's the most useless piece of math information you remember from high school? Y equals MX plus B. Yeah, I love, everyone remembers slope intercept form. It's stuck in my head because we probably head. drilled it in your head for four years. And you're like, yeah, you got to know this. This is going to help you in life. And people are mm-hmm. like, why did I learn this again? Your high school experience was completely different than most students. Yes. Um, but you finished, got your diploma. At graduation, you already had a daughter. Yes. Talk about that. How fast does having a kid make you grow up? <laughs> um, I went from a 17-year-old mindset to a 35-year-old mindset in seven months because I was yeah. nine weeks pregnant when I found out I was expecting. I think it was more surreal because I'd only been dating Ava's dad for four months. Yeah. And so like, I didn't even know this guy, essentially. Um, I was just in high school. And I was dating the quarterback. Quarterback of the football team. And his best friend, Austin Tottle, God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Rest in peace. My gosh. But uh, Tot told me that 
and I was terrified of getting dumped. So I gave in and I was much too young to do so, which was evident when I found out I was pregnant and I was like, um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't believe them. If you're a female and you go to the health department for any reproductive issues, whether it's just an annual or to get birth control or whatever, they're going to give you a pregnancy test. Really? Yes. Always. I didn't know that. For most women, if you've already had a menstrual cycle, whenever you go to the doctor, you're gonna they're gonna do a pregnancy test because they have to see what they're allowed to do on you. Because if you're pregnant, you can't get X-rays, or if you're pregnant, there's certain medicines that they can't give you. Um, that makes sense. So I went and I was just like, I knew all of all of my friends from school were like, you go, you get a whole year for free. Uh huh. And my mom came with me. So you have a baby girl. You have a beautiful baby girl. Like I remember, I don't think you showed me pictures. Someone showed me pictures of your kid. And I was like, oh, that's her kid. Like it was just (laughs) congratulations. Like you you got a kid. That's awesome. But I think it's pretty funny that how how old's your daughter? 14. Yeah. Your daughter's the same age as my daughter, which is, which I'm like, all right, well, I guess this is parenthood and we're grown and we're adults and we have children now. And then um, mine's starting high school next year. Is your starting high school or is she already in high school? She's starting next year. Ooh, class of 27. (laughs) (laughs) This gives me a unique perspective of this kind of interview because, like you said, you went from 17 to like 35 in seven months. Mm -hmm. But absolutely growing up, like we have kids that are the same age. We're at the same stage in parenting. So you mentioned like I was I was never your teacher. You had other math teachers. You still found yourself in my class, and I feel like you had a couple decent friends that I had that I yes. taught, but they hated math, but they did do well in my class. Yeah. And social media is great for keeping in contact with folks, but I got to see you at a wedding on St. Pete Beach. Yeah, Reese's. Yeah, Reese's wedding. Half her bridal party, matter of fact, were former students of mine. Yeah. It made it even more interesting. Like I had Amanda in class, I had Tara Yop in class, I had I, I saw you, I I knew you in school. I also taught her sister, but at a different school. I knew her brother, like the family mm-hmm. was, I remember being there. You were like, if I ever get married to come to my wedding, and I was like, I mean, I guess. She was like, No, you're gonna be there. And I was like, Okay, yeah. okay I'll, I'll be at your wedding. Like, sure. I, like you were the first person that told me, like, you're coming to my wedding. You're coming to my wedding. You're coming to my wedding. I we well, we eloped last June, but yeah, our, you did talk about that. That was great. That was fun. Uh, so um, where did you get married? Uh, right under John's Pass, because we met. Well, it's called Krabby's now, but we met at Gators. Gators, yeah. I worked there, and my he was with a group of my friends picking me up from work, and that's where we met. So when we decided to get married, we just called my friend Monique. Shout out to Monique. She's um a notary, and she met up with us and. We got married on the water overlooking the pass where we met. I think that's beautiful. It was great. He comes from a big old Puerto Rican family. And I come from a huge interracial family. And they're obsessed with each other. It's weird. But um Really? Like my well, like my mom's side and my dad's side, like they all love to like do stuff together. And then my husband's family is just very family oriented and always do stuff together. Not having a big wedding was kind of out of the question. I I saw, so, you know, most of our conversation over years has been through social media, follow you, like whatever you're doing. You're on a long fitness journey for a while. And 
I don't know what has led you to this point now, but talk about what you have going right now, because I'm intrigued. I don't know a lot about it. So talk to me. The Petite USA organization is a pageant program for women under 5'6", because the average height of most pageant winners is 5'7 and up. And how tall are you? I'm 5'2 and 3 quarters. Okay, that 3 quarters, that 3 quarters. (laughs) Don't forget about it. I've been this height since middle school. My daughter's 5'5". Oh, she passed you. Her dad was 6'4". This is true. So I was on the fitness journey with uh, Rooney. Um, and I was going to compete in bodybuilding, but, um, last February when I was in prep for a show, I found out I was expecting again. And then, um, in April we lost the baby. I went through this like horrendous dark phase. I didn't get out of bed for a month because I was like 20 weeks when we lost him. Like we had already named the baby. I had to deliver him. Like it was traumatic. It was awful. I haven't even really talked about it with anybody coming up on the one year anniversary so I've been like conversing about it with family more other than like a shrink I haven't really talked about it and my I'm the kind of person where talking about it makes me feel better I just don't like reliving it and it's been really rough but I'm far out enough to where like I can get through it his name was um Abi Mayed but we were just gonna call him AB and um that was after Noel's grandfather but after we lost AB I just like kind of just went into this like dark sad mode um, I ate Wendy's and McDonald's every day. I blew up and then randomly, like my daughter just walked in. She just got out of school and she was like, get up and do something. Literally like pushed her away. And I was on my phone, just like scrolling. And it was like some ad, could you change the world? And I was like, I mean, I want to. And then, um, it was the Petit USA organization, like applications for local titles because, City titles, like it's a lot to put on a pageant. So for a city title, you submit photos and you write um, an essay about platform and what you want to do to change your community. So I sent in a couple photos and I wrote about how I want to support not local government, but local voters. I want to empower and educate people about what's going on when it comes to local elections, because those are the decisions that affect your everyday life. There's so many people who don't realize that they have the power to change their community. And with a platform like being Mrs. Florida Petite, I can get the information out there. I can use that popularity to make voting cool. It's just so important. They liked my essay and they selected me to be Mrs. Seminole Petite. So I get to be in the pageant in March. Mrs. Seminole Petite. Mrs. Seminole Petite. And the pageant is in March. March 18th in Tampa. So if, if someone is not in Tampa, can I stream this? How, how do I get eyes on this? Like, Oh, yeah. There'll be access. Okay. Me and me and my mom and all my friends and family members, like everybody will be sharing everything all the time, um, yeah. especially when it comes to streaming. She can make it accessible to everybody because mm-hmm. that's how she, she's such a momager. It's precious. I just really want to focus on if you're going to choose a side, you need to be educated on it and you need to know what's going on in your community because people get to their ballot and they're like, I don't know if Judge Reincroft should stay or I don't know if we should amend Article 7. Like people don't realize that. And then they're just randomly bubbling things in because they just want to vote for the mayor and the governor and get out of there where like city council and school board. All of those are extremely important. Right. Know who you're supporting and what they will fight for. Or what they will bury and sweep under the rug? Yes. The best way that I can spin it is I always let people know, like, you pay taxes. 
And when these politicians are running their campaigns, that is a job interview. They want us to hire them because they work for us. They're, they're public servants. That's so true. if if my money is going to you, I have to make sure that you're making sure that my roads are safe for me to drive on, that the kids that are going to the schools in the area are getting a good education, which might I point out, my kids are in a private school because I don't trust Pinellas County Public Schools anymore, which I hate because I graduated from a Pinellas County Public School. And I yep, think I'm did. I did. But my dad, like I spent most of my time in private school because my dad didn't trust the system and I had to fight for me to get out of private school to go to a public school. But my daughter next year, she's going to a private school because really? she wants to, yeah, she wants to go Ivy League. And she got a merit scholarship for her grade. She'll be at Northside Christian, where I went to school sixth through ninth grade. My dad taught there for 18 years. My brother graduated from there. Um, and that's her best bet when my son's on the waiting list to go there. Um, but it shouldn't have to be that way. Like, there's no reason why. I have a husband who's from New Jersey, and the public schools there are phenomenal. So he didn't, his mom and dad, and they didn't stress about where they were going to send their kid to school because the public school system there is just stronger and better funded. And the leadership there gives a crap about education. And here we have to make sure that everybody in the area knows that this person that you're electing to this office or to this seat is going to be detrimental to your kid's future or detrimental to the safety of how you travel, the way that your Medicare is going to work for your grandmother. Or you know what I'm saying? Like there's so yeah. many things that people don't realize. Like it's it's a loaded field. It's a loaded position because they're so right. I was going to say it encompasses so much. You've touched on a couple of things. You mentioned education in the state of Florida. State of Florida right now is just getting absolutely annihilated when it comes to like quality of education. Yes. Specifically, I, I've heard it on Teacher Needs a Drink podcast, and I've read it on CNN.com. I don't, I don't know. Wherever you get your news, the governor wanting to reject like an AP African-American studies class. Like, uh, uh. Yeah, I know. I know. And as someone like I have friends who legitimately teach that AP course. Yes. Are we really not going to allow this part of not even a specific culture or race's history, but even part of American history? Like you want to just chop that part out like it's not OK or because it yes. makes someone uncomfortable. Course, yeah. That's the word. That's the buzzword. But he, this gentleman said when he was debating good old Charlie Crist, bless his heart. Um, oh, we have to talk about how I accidentally ended up in a Charlie Crist commercial, by the way. I would love to hear that story. In a minute. It's hilarious. It's a story. But anyway, um. He said that the history of America is not founded on stolen land or built off of stolen labor. That it's a lie. Ronnie said that it's a lie. And I'm just like, what What lies are you talking about? Because it's literally written down in books, in, in white historical books, that Europeans went and stole people from Africa and then beat up all the indigenous people when they got over here and made them slaves. Murdered, That's free labor. Killed, enslaved. Mass genocide. Or just, or just drowned. All just so that these people could have a bunch of land because they didn't want to be Church of England anymore. I'm all about worshiping how you want. That's great. We should all be able to worship whatever God, however we want to. But to say it didn't happen, this land wasn't stolen, there was no stolen labor, that's a lie. Like you are living in a fantasy world. And this is the guy that's in charge of my state who supposedly is supposed to love the teachers. I thought he was going to do a lot of great things for education. That was like what he ran on for a while. I had hope. Yeah, I, really I, I really don't know if politicians and, and those in power love teachers. 
But I will tell you that uh, teachers love students. And I will tell you that most admin who serve at schools, on campuses, in an educational role, obviously care and want to see students succeed. I just can't believe the amount of roadblocks that come when it talks about teacher pay, teacher salary, making sure teachers are highly qualified, loan forgiveness, in any any of those things. Like all of those issues are those are your hot button items, right? And, and these yes. are the topics that people want to hear or yes. people are tired of hearing about because they say that if you don't want to if you, if you don't like the salary of what teachers are paid, don't teach. Or raise your own kids. Say it again. So raise your own kids. Teachers right. are a part of the village. That's why I wanted to get to that. You are a huge part of the village. I absolutely adore my kids' teachers. I make it a point at Christmas time to show you that because I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit, I can't sit around yelling at people's kids that I can't whoop. Oh my gosh. We we found out a lot during that first part of the pandemic when it was like everyone stay home. We really found out like how many parents were like, "Yo, it's about we got to open these schools back up. We got to get these kids out the house because a lot of the schools that shut down like they went home during spring break didn't come back." And so yeah. It became this huge burden that students were at home or parents were at home with their kids and now they're teaching them themselves or they're learning online and um my kid was thrilling. Yeah. She had me teaching her. I'm not I'm really intelligent. I'm not a teacher. For so many parents and families, it wasn't just summer. It was spring and summer at home and they were begging for schools to come and open their doors come fall like please let these kids come back here and you can ask every single teacher we saw the increased gaps in learning i won't say deficiencies but we saw how far behind kids could find if they're not in a proper educational setting we witnessed that yeah and now it was the part of teachers are doing this. You're teaching in person. Some were online. We had a hybrid model. We didn't want to give any training for him to do it, but we're just going to say, hey, while all these other stocks are crashing, we're going to drive Zoom stocks sky high. <laughs> and we're going to say, everyone log into Zoom. I can't tell you how many times you, you sit and you've got kids in a room and you're staring at a screen and you see a ceiling fan spinning. Like, what is Jason doing? Yes. Playing TV, but he's logging in because if he doesn't log in, he couldn't get credit for the class. Right. And then you see, like, someone's dog come lick the screen. You yes. see that come lay down, like, on the keyboard. And you see the letter F, like, for 25 rows in a chat. Like, hey, can you take get, get your cat off the screen? And then you got somebody's <laughs> mom coming through hollering. Like, you got somebody coming by in a towel. Like... And then uh, it was just so crazy. And I was like, clearly the world is going to value teachers even better now. Like there's going to be a better and higher premium for for these great teachers that care. And and now parents are just like, get these kids back in school. And I was like, oh, you guys didn't learn anything. (laughs) No, I could not wait for my daughter to go back to school because I felt like I was failing her. Other than like, okay, like English and literature, like that's my thing. I'm a reader. I'm a writer. I like words. Uh-huh. Um, I went to writer's camp when I was in elementary school. Like that was my jam. You know what I'm saying? You're a nerd of all nerds. I love it. But only when it comes to literature. Numbers, science, no. Oh, that's why I was there. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that was why we needed him. So like when it came to like her English stuff or like reading or certain books, like I probably did read that book because I read a lot. I love to read. So I'm like, oh yeah, I read that. We can, I can help you with that. 
and she was at a, a Lutheran school. So there was a religion class. And I mean, I was raised in a very strict Christian home, but I straight, I started backsliding a long time ago. So child, I can help you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic and teaching my child was so difficult because I'm not fit. I can coach kids with sports. I can't teach anything. It was terrible. Yeah. My first pregnancy, I was a teen mom. My second pregnancy, the world was shut down. So, and then the third one was traumatic. The pandemic was so hard on my daughter education wise. And she's a very good student. She cares so much about her grades. Mm -hmm. So when I couldn't help her, she would be like, mom, like since she was six, she's wanted to go to Yale. You know what I mean? Like my kid is very like goal oriented and she's brilliant. So she deserves to go Ivy League if she wants to. And I can see her getting a lot of academic scholarships because she's absolutely brilliant. But she is still someone who she's a kid. So she needed guidance. And I was just not the person for the guidance on top of the fact that I wasn't in my right mind because I was knocked up. So it was just a lot. It was so much like it was horrible. So I definitely when they were like, oh, we're going back to school this fall. I was like, this is the one and only time I was like, thank you, Ron DeSantis. Never again. I'm an open book, honestly. I have this picture of high school Casey. Yeah. I also have this vision of like Casey as an adult, as a mom. I love the Crawleys. Do you? Yeah, I'm writing a short story about them right now, actually. Really? Yeah, it's the Crawleys in the '60s, and George marries George marries a Barbadian socialite, and they have a black son. So Mary has to fight for him to have the rights to be a lord because people of color couldn't be lords until the '70s anyway. Okay, facts. However, pause. Are we publishing this work? I don't know yet. I want to send it to Julian Fellows first because he's the writer and the yeah. Uh huh. It's and it's not going to be done for a while. It's so hold on. Wait, wait, wait. What's what's end game with this? I don't know. I just like to write. I just like to write, and I'm obsessed with Downton Abbey. It's a really good story. It's actually it's not even about like Mary's son George. It's more about like George and the woman he marries. Her name's Robin, by the way, and she's from Barbados. But her dad owns a lot of oil in the fields and they made a lot of money. So she was one of the few minorities that ended up at Eaton. George and Robin get married. They have biracial children and their oldest granddaughter, Bobby, who's named after Lord Grantham. Her name's Roberta, but they call her Bobby, mm-hmm. says, screw y'all. I know I got some American blood. I want to go to Farmington. I want to go to NYU. She goes to business school because she takes over Downton and the younger brother's gay, so they're like, how's there going to be an heir? It's great. Anyway. Well, Downton Abbey ended in, like, 2017, and they've made two films since. Right. Um, I was going to... That's why That's why when you said I, I would like to present it to who first? Who? Uh, fellows? Julian Fellows. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, you actually could do this because... That's how you keep it fresh in people's minds. It doesn't happen. That's how the the thing, the, the cool thing about Downton Abbey is they were attacking such real issues right. um, without bias. Like That was the unique part about this. Like You can't ignore what is happening on this show because it's relevant. And yeah. you used to say that this wouldn't have been the case before. Right. And they're very, like the Crawleys, would, they pride themselves on being the modernists. And that's why their estate survived because they moved with the times. They were the family that, like, there was a black singer that came from a club to perform, and P. 
people were all turned off. And Lord Grantham, whose house it was, he's like, shut up. He can sing. Get on the floor. You know what I'm saying? They had right. a gay butler. And they had a daughter who had a baby outside of marriage. And they were cool with that. Like, they were like, life happens. Like, they were just, the Countess was American. Like, they were with it. I love the Crawleys. That's why I had to write about some black ones, you know? I'm not mad at that. I got I got questions for you. I call hot chocolate. Pull it up. I love hot chocolate. Social media, filters or no filters? None. Wine or champagne? Wine. Beer or seltzer? Seltzer. <laughs> Waffles or pancake? Waffles. You order wings, ranch or blue cheese? Ranch. Really? Yes. Favorite job you've had before you started your career? Wing house. I was there for so long. I did so much with them. It was yeah. such an amazing experience because I was on the promo team. So I got to go do a lot of cool stuff. I had amazing experiences with them. It was great. Wing House was good to me. Would you rather be feared or loved? Feared. Marvel or DC? Uh, I'm a a DC Comics kid. If you have a favorite high school administrator? (laughs) Teacher or administrator? Well, no. Well, I I asked administrator because next question I'm probably going to ask teacher. Okay. Um, Administrator, Palizzi. Oh my gosh! She was Palizzi to me, bro. <laughs> okay, so when Wasn't I got counselor, pregnant, yes. So when I got pregnant, it's not um, an administrator, but okay, counselor works. Whatever. She was in the office. So when I got pregnant, I was um, at school the day after my due date, trying to take my exams. And every class I walked into, they were like, "We made a take home exam for you. Go home and have this baby." And I was like, "No, I want to be at school. I want to do this." And there was like an F cat makeup that day. Yeah. And I needed to do that. And I, I missed all of it. Like they literally every, I tried to go in like three classes and finally bank had to come up to me and be like, you're going home. <laughs> like go home. <laughs> you cannot, go have this baby, bro. So um, there was this pledge that people were making to do something by graduation. I was like, at this point, I feel like I'm not even going to graduate. Like I said it sarcastically. And she was like, I bet you 10 bucks right now you walk a graduation. Because I was like not with it. I was ready to just get my GED, check out, and not talk to nobody no more. Right. She was like, 10 bucks, I bet you walk a graduation. And I was like, 20. So she shook my hand, right? So fast forward to so graduation. Miss, oh, wait, you're talking about Miss Polizzi? Yes. Fast forward to graduation. And I literally just like got my little, you know, walked across the stage. I'm walking down the little grassy area. And she's holding up a little envelope for me. And it had 20 bucks in it. She's a real one. Bro. And I will never forget that because it's a big deal that I graduated. You know, my class had seven of us. There were seven moms. 2009. Um, yeah, we were the last non-fundamental class at Osceola. So we could wear flip-flops. Yeah, I was. I was my next question literally is flip-flops or slides. <laughs> oh, slides. Netflix or Hulu? Neither. Prime Video. We're down to Abby's horn. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite genre of music? My favorite genre of music? Big band swing, like jazz. Ella Fitzgerald, Eddie James. I like that you're well-cultured. Um, I am. I'm an old soul. What does your self-care regimen look like? So how does Casey take care of Casey? I go to, well, I go to the gym. I have a trainer. And that's an investment that I make in myself. It's not that I don't know how to work out. I need someone to hold me accountable. Well, yeah. Oh, I understand that 100%. My trainer, Abby, is on top of me about how I'm eating and when I work out without her. And uh, um, But she's great. She's sweet as sugar, but she pushes me. 
and I get work done. And um, I've known her for a couple years now, but we've only been training together for about six weeks and I've already seen great results. So, um, but that's the investment I make in myself is um, training and eating right. I'm a very big, uh, how do I say this? I'm an herbal enthusiast and it's medicinal, obviously not around my kids, but Ava knows what's going on. There's an appropriate time and place for everything. So I was going to ask, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten from your parents regarding marriage? But that's not my question. I want to know, what have you seen in their marriage that you need or you feel like needs to be implemented in your own marriage? Pretty much everyone in my family is still married to either their high school or college sweetheart. I grew up in a completely different world than everybody else. Honestly, as cliche as it is, it's just constant communication. You have to say what you're feeling. You have to say what you're reacting to. Actually, and now that reminds me, my mom always said, you cannot control what others say and do, but you can control how you react. Like 95% of life is how you react to situations that actually yes. take place, as opposed to yes. the, the event. So whenever, she pretty much said, whenever my dad would do something or say something that would infuriate her, she knew that how she reacted would continue how it was going to go from here. So it's constantly like thinking about how am I reacting to this, but also not invalidating my feelings. Like I'm allowed to be upset, but how are you going to react when you're upset? Because you could easily say, I don't like how you said this. I don't like how you did this. And it made me upset. And it still gets the message across instead of screaming it and freaking out. The way that you communicate to the point where it's effective and not being afraid to ask for help. Noelle and I have done. We've had like sit down like therapy sessions with my parents. That's good. Um, it's good that you have someone who can help you guys do that because there are people oh, yeah. who've been doing this for 30, 40 years and they've been through hell and high water. So you might mm-hmm. as well glean from what they have what they've experienced and what they've learned and take it and apply it. We have two incredible married relationships as examples when it comes to our parents. See, I, I've got that too, because my parents have been married for 45 years. Woo! And my wife's parents have been married for, nah, like 50. That's awesome. We've been married for like 50 years. Three words to describe your daughter. Oh, I, just three? Okay, I got it. Inquisitive, brilliant, and gorgeous. Three words to describe your son. <laughs> Energetic, also inquisitive, and comical. He's got a great sense of humor. Last question. Well, last two. Why are we sitting down having this conversation today? To be honest, I personally wanted to keep in contact because you were one of the few Black educators that I had in my life. I didn't have a lot of teachers that I could relate to that understood the Black experience is. And people don't realize like how important that is for a young person to see yourself in leadership. Yeah. And I didn't have that a lot at all. And the When I was in middle school, I had a black history teacher and a black math teacher and a black science teacher. And my science teacher was the only one that was nice to me. The other two were very nasty towards me. And it was a very negative experience. So it was quite disheartening. Um, And then I got to Osceola and here's this guy who's not even supposed to be my teacher and he's helping me. What? Are you kidding? Like I can, I'm able to get through school because 
dude's willing to take time out of his day to help me out. Like that was that was huge for me. So used, you know, I used to have this conversation. Well, there's a lot of kids like I could kids that came in my class and were like, hey, like senior year, like, hey, Mr. Ham, I absolutely suck at math, but I have to get this credit. And I'm like, say no more. Let's do it. They're like, no, you don't understand. And I was like, nah, I don't think you understand how well I teach. And and it was an arrogant thing to say. But I was like, I'm not someone who's just going to keep on going on to the next section. If you don't get it, we're going to talk about why this actually works and how it works. And I realized that even right now that that makes me a better tutor than it does a better teacher because I was terrible with pacing guides and staying on curriculum, staying on task. I was like, man, I need to be able to connect with my students. Like that was my thing. The thing about being at Osceola for three years and then Seminole for three years is I realized such a difference in kid that I got at Osceola than what I had at Seminole. Mm-hmm. But the connections of kids that I that like the connections that I have with kids at Osceola, the number of weddings I've gone to, the number of engagement parties you're at, the number of times someone has said, hey, in case my dad isn't sober, I need you to walk me down the aisle at my wedding kind mm-hmm. of a thing, which is absolutely absurd. Like, like I was a math teacher. They were like, nah, you kind of like just held me together for a while. And I was like, well, it's what we do. And they were like, nope, you can't even say that either. Like no one ever let me just say, it was like, oh, it's just doing my job. They're like, nah, because it wasn't just doing your job. You were being who you are, which is absolutely absurd because I never had that with any of my teachers. I think I had a black art teacher in second grade. I had a guy that taught me an enrichment class in eighth grade who was African-American. And then in high school, I had no black educators. Isn't that crazy, though? We can we can count and remember what black educators we had in our lives. That That's is, insane. It is so, it's obvious. But even when I tell you about college, I had one black professor. I had two black professors. One taught a... I, I took a music like elective course and there were two guys that taught it, both of them African-American, like jazz musicians from like the 60s and 70s. They were phenomenal. They were like my parents' age. Yeah, you would have loved that class. And then I had one I like on my podcast. I just had a tribute to him. I made it really short. It was like eight minutes long. I talked about a uh, man that passed away in 2014 named uh, Dr. Najee Muhammad because I was the only African-American male that graduated from the class from the College of Education that year I graduated. And at graduation, I didn't even see another African-American period in the College of Education. And I was like sitting here looking around at like a couple hundred people getting degrees. And I'm like, yo, none of these folks are African-Americans. Like, who's going to be in the classroom? Like, I was I was tripping. Like, am I the only one? It blew my mind. Like, that was the biggest thought I had on graduation. Like, do you remember? Do you remember my senior year? So this was the 2008, 2009 school year. Um, fourth period, every Thursday, they would pull all the black kids out of class and pull us into a room to talk to us and encourage us because we were less likely to graduate than the rest of So my senior year at Osceola, there were 398 kids in the class. And at that point, we were the largest class Osceola had ever seen. But there were 14 minorities in that class. Not black kids, minorities. Wow. And I only remember that because nine of us were black And they pulled us into this room to talk to us. The baby's sleep now. What does the rest of 2023 hold for you? Launch a vision for the rest of the year. I hope I can get a state title and use that platform to make my mark and change the world. 
change the world. Yes. We live in a society where like your name and your merit, you got to build it up. And if you're young and pretty, pageantry is a really good way to do that. Like I said, I have no political agenda, but I care about social issues a lot because my husband cares about social issues a lot and he has political aspirations and he is brilliant. He graduated from Stetson last year. He will be um, taking the bar in July. He's already, uh, he just got hired at a law firm as a clerk so that he can be working in law while he's getting ready to take the bar. But he's just very matter of fact. I think that that's what's going to make him successful when he does get into politics because there's no reason to be biased because everything's laid out in front of you. We're both NPA, no party affiliation. So it's very like it can go either way because like our second date, we were canvassing and getting people to register to vote. That's like where we. That was your second date. Yeah. Like we're all about like being, being civil servants and being available to your community. It's so important. I haven't gotten to finish school yet, so I don't have an education to fall back on. I got to make sure I'm on my game and have something to talk about when I'm sitting at a table with the governor. Final remarks. <laughs> Final remarks. Final thought. Like I'm Jerry Springer. Oh my. Yo, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry was big into politics. You know, this man was in office in the state of Ohio. Yes. Yeah. I'm well aware. And they were like, you should always in your interviews with students talking back to you. And I was like, I like that. That should be what it should be. You should be like, all right, it's the, here's your final thought. Final thoughts. Here's your final thought. It's not even anything bad. Just keep doing what you're doing because you're molding tomorrow. Like there's so many people and so many lives that you've impacted. Your gestures of kindness have put people in the direction to like where their life is supposed to go. Ripple effect, the tiniest little thing literally just sets them to where they need to go. And I'm one of those people, 100%. Like 10 years from now, you're going to have so many different students that are going to be in these incredible places in life. And you can fully say like, you are part of the village that got them there. Your presence was necessary in all of our lives to make us the people we're supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. Remember that when I'm first lady. The first lady of what? As as your husband is. Okay. You have to hear this story really quick before we go. So the night I met my husband, we were all chilling. And I was like, what is your dream? Make it realistic and astronomical. And he was like, realistic? I'm going to be a senator. And I was like, oh, okay. He was like, I want to get in there. I care about social issues. I want to change the world. I was like, all right, what's the fantasy? What's the crazy one? He said, I want to be the first Puerto Rican president of the United States. When I tell you I fell out, child, oh my God. I was like, you what? I want to be Michelle Obama. So it's perfect. <laughs> Yes. I want to be I want to be educated like Michelle and I want to dress like Melania. <laughs> I, I will say this. I won't be able to forge one of those plates at those dinners y'all be throwing. I will and get you to a state dinner if well, I become you don't person. have to fly me into because this is salary unless they pass a new Noel. Now he has to get elected to at least some kind of seat. Dreams have to be huge. Like I told someone the other day, they were like, Mr. Ham, what's your biggest dream right now? I was like, right now, to be a best-selling author and to have a podcast that's on the top 10 podcasts in the world. Now, yes. I, have, I have I have 10 followers and I'm good with 10 followers and 10 of them, they're all 10 that I know. But I was like, but when I get that first one of someone that doesn't know me that says, hey, I appreciate what you're doing, then I know I did something good. Like, but this is how it starts, though. <laughs> The only way to do it is to start it. You have to build it. Like everything needs a foundation. Yes, indeed. Everything does need a foundation. 
I think that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of Talking Back to the Teacher. You know, I have to say this about my guest, Casey Gonzalez. She's one tough sister. She's been through and seen a lot and is still committed to making a change within her community and globally. You have to respect it. Casey, thank you for taking time to talk to me. And you, my listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you like this episode, be sure to check out my other segments with former students and special guests. Like, podcast, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate all your support. And please, give me feedback. This has been another episode of Talking Back to the Teacher. Until next time.